0: Welcome to the UWA Alumni Voices podcast. My name is Rob Blanford, and I'm here today with Alex Whitebrook, who graduated from UWA in 2017 with a Bachelor of Arts majoring in International Relations and Asian Studies. Alex describes himself as a self-starter with a strong background in international development and policy research. He's interested in global environmental issues, and he's led policy changes from sitting on the steering committee of the Global Water Partnership to consulting for the likes of Oxfam and the Alliance for Water Stewardship. Alex works internationally in a range of capacities to drive sustainable development. Alex, welcome to the UWA Alumni Voices podcast.
1: Well, um, thank you very much for having me on today, first and foremost. It's been a kind of great opportunity for me to come back to my roots and speak to people right back at the the school from which everything started for me so my kind of background to to start us off i was an international relations student at uwa and from there i just followed you know one foot in front of the other until today i'm working more in the kind of sustainable development side of things i consult for an environmental health and safety consulting firm in shanghai obviously remotely at the moment um but i also do a few other things i'm very multifaceted at the moment i'm i'm heading the fundraising team of a small NGO based in Geneva called Water Inception, which finds technological solutions to on-the-ground grassroots water challenges like water scarcity and refugee camps and things like this. And I also head up the World Youth Parliament for Water as the Vice President, which is a global network of young professionals working in the water sector for sustainable development. So yeah, I'm uh, busy, busy.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it it sounds like it. So um, you've you've gone in in a very definite direction already. So tell us how your UWA studies influence your outcomes and what you're doing at the moment
1: from the outset at uwa i was actually planning to study psychology my very first semester at uwa that was something i was always very passionate about i was always more of a science minded kid psychology was a good in between for me because it's a very social science with you could still the, the pathways into neuroscience and things like this which is much more of a hard science. And when I first arrived at UWA, studying these courses, I was really enjoying them because I was always excellent at, at psychology. I, I loved picking apart the way people think. And um, I wanted to kind of put that towards some kind of community psychologist role, working on, on the ground with communities, providing some, some kind of support services. That's where I saw myself going. And just kind of as a whim out of passing interest, I started taking international relations uh, electives. And that just kind of unraveled my entire life plan. So I I I started taking more and more of these classes and then made the decision in my second semester to actually completely flip my my degree. And I changed my major to international relations. I started taking Asian studies as a second major. And um, that just kind of set me on on this new path. I, I came to the realization that the kind of group community psychology that I wanted to do, it was also very similar. It had so many things in common with studying international relations. You study things like um, game theory, for example, in international relations is it, and, and political science. So it was very, it was so intriguing to me. I just had to find out more. I, I started studying Asian studies in particular as. I guess growing up in Australia you just always have such a you you get that mindset you build up that mindset of being on Asia's doorstep and having that interest and everyone's always everyone's interested about what's going on in in Asia obviously so um which of course to Australian listeners that just sounds like I'm stating the complete obvious but to ever to other people around the world like Asia, Asia isn't as big of a you know I don't think people here in Europe or in, in the UK understand like the the view that everyone has of, of Asia in that way so I started taking Mandarin courses as well after studying my my asian studies courses And that set me on this whole China studies, Mandarin studies pathway, which eventually led to my simultaneous new interest in human security. It was kind of like a more softer side of political science and international relations, talking about much more human things that affect people's livelihoods rather than political and military security issues. So we started talking about food security, water security, and it was at water security. where I really started to find my niche. From there, my yeah, my studies at UWA took me down that path. I started interning with the Future Directions International think tank, which is just down the road from from UWA, and with the Perth US Asia Center, which is in UWA <laughs> in the Social Sciences building. So, my my work with them started to kind of flesh out my understanding and experiences of food security, water security issues. I started writing little research papers for them on on these kinds of things, and that just took me away. I was uh, before I knew it, you know, one foot in front of the the other felt like running, and things just kind of ran away from me. I ended up going on to do my master's studies in Geneva. Uh, the the Geneva Graduate School of uh, International Development Studies, which is actually one of the first, um, it was the first international relations school in at least in the Western world. So it's a, it's a very old school with a lot of history. It's right around the corner from the UN in Geneva. And that was where I really started to properly develop my understanding of uh, sustainable development issues and turning more away from water security and more to water development and water management and environmental resource management as uh, as my main focus. Yeah. Things just kind of spiraled really. That's how I that's the only way I can describe it, you know. Um, yeah, sure. You think so you sounds... have a plan and then everything everything takes a, a you know, a right angle or a 180 turn.
0: Yeah. So it sounds like for you university was as much about learning about topics and themes as learning about yourself as well and unpacking your own interests which is good which is how it should yeah. be right
1: yeah, yeah absolutely i think that's exactly how it should be for, for anyone who's who's doing uni right you know it's something it's a place where you should be encouraged to explore um, other areas of of knowledge and life that you haven't really even considered before because it's just such a melting pot you know you've got people you spend your whole life uh, in one or two or a few schools primary and, and high schools and then you get to university and you get you get much much more even in you know little old Perth, you get a much more broad perspective of what different people are up to and, and those different interests that
0: people have that maybe you haven't even thought about before. So on the theme of you know, different people, different cultures, why do you think that people should study languages? What, what does it do for you as a language learner?
1: The first thing that drew me towards studying Mandarin was because I knew how, how big China was, and it still is, obviously in international politics. It just seemed like a no-brainer. You know, it it started off with like, okay, let me just take this course and like see if I've at least got what it takes to learn Chinese because it, it seems like a really daunting task at first. But it's just like any other language when you get down to it, and that's what really pushed me at first to to study mandarin but then i found myself just coming to appreciate so many new things about chinese culture through chinese language that i couldn't couldn't possibly have understood before so it, it feels obvious saying it but that has broadened my my own worldview significantly and that is the main reason you should study languages you know even if it's just a little bit even if it's a few different languages to a basic uh, understanding i think it's just it's such a great way to learn so much more about the world than you possibly could sitting down and reading a history book or something you know you You understand people's cultures as they are now, even on a rudimentary level. You know, if you're learning a language to a basic level, you're still going to go up to a native speaker and sound like you're talking really formally or something. And you don't get that understanding of nuances in the language at first, but it it just teaches you, it lets you speak to people you've spoken to before, it lets you understand ways of thinking that you've never spoken that you've never thought about before because you know people say that if you're when you're native in 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 two different languages and i wouldn't call myself fluent in in mandarin but when you have that high level of fluency then people say that you have like two two different personalities depending on which language you're speaking because you develop a whole different identity when you're learning a different language because you're speaking to people you've never spoken to before in a language you've never used before and you forge a whole different kind of identity that identity is informed by the 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 way that language is structured that that has an impact on on you as much as you have on on it so it's a great way to, to to learn more about yourself as well
0: so alex you've achieved a lot since graduating from uwa so of all the things you've achieved what's your proudest achievement to date
1: this is a really tough one i think out right out the gate i just have to i would have to go with being vice president of the world youth parliament for water it's something that i never saw myself doing you know i was always involved in groups at at university at uwa like i was in the uwa international relations society a few other a few other groups but i never realized the skills that they were giving me to like the, these management skills and these people skills that have been so useful in continuing to be involved in these kinds of groups outside of university you think it's something that's going to be that's just in that little university bubble but I got outside university I wanted to continue to be involved in some kind of community like that outside of my career and because it is completely you know it's a volunteer thing we, we run a global network it's in 90 plus countries it got around four or five thousand currently active members and it, it's just great to, to be able to contribute to an enormous global community like that you know it's something that, that I never saw myself doing it all started when I actually when I first moved over to the UK I was working for a publishing firm for a short time a food industry like agricultural commercial agricultural uh, journal and so working with this publishing firm writing about food and water which was kind of up my alley by that point I managed to get my employer to fund some travel to Mexico, where there was the World Water Congress going on. And it was at the World Water Congress where I was interviewing a few people for the magazine, looking at these water purification technologies that people were bringing to show at this conference. And it was there I met some members of the World Youth Parliament for Water. And that's just where things started for me. I, I ended up within the conference, the time of the conference, I ended up getting super involved with them because I just they were just great people. You know, when you just click with people, they, I connected with them on every level. We had such similar interests. And before I knew it, I was back in the Americas. I was in in brazil this time at the world water forum which is the biggest global water management event and i was there attending the general assembly of the world department of water at the time they didn't have a representative on the board from oceania from our region so i was the only person from our region who was there and it felt like a great opportunity to just put myself forward and say hey i know i'm the only person here at the general assembly but you know you guys invited me for the one reason and that's because i've already had the opportunity to show what I what i have to contribute to your team and i want to be able to like bring that bring that forward and and establish a, a place for myself on the board so i made my own position in that sense because there was mm. no one else from my region and i said you guys need that represent representative representativity representativity represent- you, you need that representative and um, yeah That went on to me eventually becoming the the vice president. So nowadays we we go around to conferences, although of of course not recently, we go around to conferences, we advocate for more youth involvement in decision making in in the water sector, in water management, in water governance as well. Um, Talking with policymakers, you know, I I gave a presentation in Egypt um, two years ago alongside the Egyptian water minister about how the issues that are facing the Nile and reflecting on those issues uh, in contrast to other rivers like the Murray-Darling Basin, which was brilliant that was just such a great experience and there's just been so many other experiences like that you know I've, I've been i've had the chance to go along to in that same trip in brazil had, had the chance to go along to the swiss embassy in brazil and and speak with the uh, swiss ambassador to brazil and i've been to the uh, actually again the swiss ambassadors uh, residence for a presentation on transboundary water management in uh, sweden and all sorts of things like this it's just taken me all over the place and i just yeah like i said i never thought that that's something i'd be doing so i'm very proud of 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 that achievement it's Entirely volunteer, but I couldn't. I, I can't get enough of it.
0: You've also mentioned your podcast as something that you're
1: doing, yes. something you're pretty
0: proud of. Tell me about that. Yeah,
1: the, speaking of the way that WYPW has taken me all over the place, um, along the way, I've obviously built up quite a international network of of especially young professionals doing awesome things for climate sustainability. And it was <laughs> it was obviously like a lot of people during lockdown in the past few months. I've found myself wanting to keep busy in some way. And there was an idea that I had on the back burner for a while that I just wanted to bring to life, which was... The people taking action podcast which is launching in august we've already started recording a few episodes uh, we've spoken to a few people like someone in argentina who runs the country's biggest environmental education ngo uh, he started it when he was 17 i think and now it's just enormous they they um, attend the argentinian uh, congress to inform decision makers on on better ways to educate youth through education policy but also they advocate on the actual environmental like you know green energy policy side of things as well to see some actual policy change in Argentina. We've interviewed a guy in Thailand who at the age of 19, I believe, started his own Plastic to fuel conversion company. He sets up modular plants next to wet landfill site, and they take in plastic waste, convert it to ethanol and other kinds of fuel. So we're interviewing some really, really cool young people, and if you wanted to hear their story, keep an eye out for it. Yeah, yeah it'll be launching out uh, in August alongside a book as well, written by uh, Akshat Rathi, which is a a book covering the stories of 60 young professionals around the world who are doing something to fight for uh, sustainability. It's called uh, United we are unstoppable. We're launching alongside that and um, it's a great little collaboration. So yeah, keep an eye out for both of those things. It's, it's exciting to be working on these little um, fun little projects during, during
0: lockdown. I know that your biggest passion is sustainable water resource management. What led you to something that specific? I mean, you've already told me it was, it was the way that your degree, you know, you peeled off the layers as your degree progressed, but what, what was it that particularly attracted you to that I guess
1: yeah it's it's tough to say I think that it, it, it might just be the the human element to it that, that really strongly attracted me towards water resource management it, it is something I mentioned before when I was talking about starting to stu- study human security but yeah it was just such a, a moment of, I guess a call to action for me when I when I thought here I am sitting in my university sitting in my ivory tower so to speak studying things like realism and neoliberalism and talking Talking about GDP and military budgets and stuff like this for political science and international relations. And then when we started talking about human security and, and you know, getting down to what really matters, like natural disasters and droughts and food and water scarcity that was just I, I was like why are we even talking about all the other stuff <laughs> like this is so much more important I would say that food security is something that I still am really passionate about and something of something that I haven't really explored I would really like to go in and do some more studies to understand things like genetically modified organisms a, a little better and get that kind of that whole perspective of how that's going to impact uh, the food industry going forward I am vegan myself so I'm obviously have certain views about <laughs> about the food uh, industry and commercial agriculture which I would like to see um, change in many ways but the food has just taken a back burner compared to, to water because water just has such a compelling and I'll say it again human element to it. It sounds again it just sounds silly to say doesn't it because especially growing up in a place like Perth it was something it was something that the, the water council there was always very on top of. We were always reminded to through our civic education in primary school to understand that we need to save water and it's a limited resource. We need to have short showers and this kind of thing and it was just kind of like connecting the dots for me growing up in that kind of environment and understanding water scarcity on that level and then seeing um, through my international studies how people deal with it in different ways and face different water challenges around the world. There's nothing more human than, than our relationship to water. I'm really really trying to avoid saying water is life <laughs> because that's something that everyone says in in the water development sector and everyone tries to avoid
0: saying because it's the biggest cliche, but now I've said it so well. (laughs) But I guess it's a complex thing though, isn't it? Because we need it. We need to drink water, but we also need it for hygiene. So it affects two substantial factors of, of human life. So
1: Exactly. And it couldn't be more relevant now. I'm quite closely involved with UN Water. They're, they're launching a, a new global acceleration framework for SDG 6 on water, which is going to happen next week at the High Level Political Forum. So I'll be moderating a panel there with a few water ministers from around the world. And they're, they're really trying to push as part of this framework, they're trying to push more involvement in wash, in water, uh, sanitation and hygiene, because they, this, these are areas that severely need more funding, especially now we're facing the Covid nineteen pandemic so it's just an area that you know is never going to stop being relevant and there's always somewhere you can Im- improve i would really like to come back one day to australia and and have my own impact or involvement with with water management there as well because like that's where it all started for me you know like i said understanding water scarcity issues in in perth and i remember all the political uh debate around desalination plants in perth as well when i was younger yeah i'd, I'd it would be great to to have an impact on that one day but for now I'm kind of floating around at this international level, so sure. that's kind of what brought me to water.
0: Which maybe neatly brings us to the next question. I, I did say thirty years in when I was writing these questions, but let's—I'm going to change that slightly. What, what do you think you were doing in, let's say, twenty years' time? Where, where would you like to be years. at that point in your career?
1: Oh, it's a tough one, you know. Um, I—I'm always really hesitant to answer questions like this, which might make me seem, you know, unambitious or unconfident. But it's just very hard to say like I think anyone who thinks they know what they're gonna be doing in 20 years is probably an idiot but just just because I know that's really that's really harsh to say but I was just talking about uh my start my start at UWA in psychology I had no idea at that time if that was only like that was only like eight years ago I didn't know at that time that I would be doing what I'm doing now (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> there was a, you if you'd asked me what I'd be doing in 10 years time back then in 5 years time I would have said I'll be a psychologist. So for now I'm very happy with what I'm doing. I would love to see myself um you know taking the skills that I've developed from from heading up an organization like World Youth Parliament Forward and using them in other organizations uh, heading up big international NGOs perhaps even my own. Who knows the you know the sky is the limit but um anything yeah. can change. Are you attracted yeah. to
0: politics because you've already mentioned leadership and governance? And-
1: oh um for the moment, I don't think so. I, I don't know. It's just something that... <laughs> I think a lot, uh, uh, something that uh, my generation or anyone, no, not my generation, anyone right now struggles with on a visceral level is, you know, our, our mass disillusionment with politics. <laughs> so it's, it would be really tough for me to to even think about going into politics at this time. I, I, yeah, I couldn't see myself doing that. I'm going to explain my view on this, actually. I'm just going to back up a little bit to a time where I worked for an NGO called China water risk in Hong Kong so this was a couple of years ago now it was kind of a culmination of my Mandarin studies my interest in China and international politics and my water studies all in one um China water risk is a NGO that still there t- today that studies the water challenges that not only China but uh East Asia in general faces uh, in the face of climate change. But working with them, they primarily focus on essentially lobbying large private investors and large private companies. So I saw the impact they were having and the work that they were doing was actually uh, affecting where big hedge fund investors were putting their money. You know, there's a a huge impact that can be had through that kind of work. And I think that, that that changed something in me to gear myself more towards working with with, not not against, but with the the private sector, trying to bring them on side and, and make sure that big companies are. Are taking steps in the right direction because there's so there's such a dichotomy, such a, a pitting against each other between NGOs and and government and the private sector, and everyone's always you know blaming one or the other about climate change and and who's the biggest con- contributor and yes, there does need to be policy change at government level, and that could be a reason for me to go into politics, but I think that I can have a bigger impact if I'm working with big companies if I'm working to to change the way that they're doing things because it, it can have a more immediate and a more widespread impact companies are across borders they're not uh, held down to one specific country and when you start changing the way a company does things in response to consumers in one country if that company is changing things changing things in the same way in another country or 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 consumers of that product from other countries see the way they're changing things in another country then that just creates a a role on a domino effect of 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 change towards sustainability, hopefully. I'd love to pick an example out of thin air here, but I'm drawing a blank. But I think that that's where I'd rather be, at least in 20 years. But yeah, like I said, who knows? It's good. You've got lots
0: of options, lots of different pathways that you can go in. (laughs) It's good. If 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 your degree has set you up for lots of different outcomes and we're happy i think. Are you still in touch with classmates from UWA?
1: Yeah, um I I still speak to a lot of my classmates actually. Uh, only only very, you know, it's it's regular but but infrequent. It's things have changed a lot for me in the past 5 or 6 years and like I said in ways that I couldn't really imagine my connection back to my classmates in uwa is still something that i really value a lot of them from my politics studies and asian studies and chinese studies have ended up in china (laughs) as you might expect or working towards something in australia towards international policy and and not dealing with but i guess adapting to china's ongoing rise in the region and increased international hegemony that's a whole other topic, <laughs> but they're all working in those kinds of areas. And it's just fantastic to drop in on them once in a while, you know, have a Skype or or chat to them over Facebook and just say, and just see what they're up to. Because even coming from the same background, from the same classes, it's crazy how, how we're all doing such different things now. I think w- one friend in particular, he, he's been, he's been the past few years working for a, a Chinese airline and, and working on like international policy for them. So, you know, meanwhile, an- another one of my classmates has taken a much more political path and he's, he's taken his Mandarin studies to the next level. He, he He's completely fluent and he's having quite a big impact on Australia-China relations at some level. He's, he's had audiences with ministers and things like this. So um, they're all doing really interesting and different things. And it's great to see. It's always great to drop in and, and, and check in on them. But I mean, I've also made a lot of friends along the way. <laughs> having studied now in, in Geneva as well and lived in a couple of different places in the past few years. This sounds so um, ridiculous, but I'm starting to struggle to keep on top of all of my relationships with people you know there's just so many people all over the place that I want to be in touch with and there's so many people back home who are in, in Perth who I want to be in closer touch with but it's it gets really kind
0: hard. of overwhelming at some point right when you just think life which friends over, are the yeah. most important yeah <laughs> yeah and how we how do so, we rank friendships and how do we value them and yeah
1: it's impossible yeah. exactly it's impossible um i'm always drawn to speak towards particular people but people come and go from your life and and um and come back into your life it, You know, at times when you when you need them. So yeah, not to get all philosophical, but (laughs) I miss a lot of my friends back home. It's been like five years now. I've been away, and I miss my family. So that's a a long time. So you haven't seen your family for five years at this point. um, You know, it's always good to be reminded of of how important that is to me. I'm probably going to go and text a few of my old classmates after
0: this. (laughs) Do it. It's good. Alex, thank you so much for talking to me today. Our listeners will really enjoy. Listening to you and hearing your story. Thank you for being part of this podcast. And, uh, I look forward to hearing, you know, how your career develops and how things go and uh, and what the next stage in your journey will be.
1: Thank you very much. It's such unexpected pleasure and privilege to, to even be invited onto this podcast and just uh, speak to you and, and have the potential to also impact future students at UWA who might be, you know, tuning in to, to see what alumni are up to and, and, and what's going on and what happens down the line after after your university studies. So, yeah. Exactly. um yeah. perhaps we can check in again in the future and yeah uh, it's always yeah it's, it's it's always a pleasure to just sit down and talk about about life as well which is all this really is at the end of the day you know <laughs> exactly exactly